Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name is Daniel, and I'll be your host. Today, we answer more questions on the book of Revelation. The big question, two questions we answer is about the millennial reign of Christ. Will it happen? Is it happening now? Or will it happen at all? Also, the rapture view at the very end. Is that even biblical? Will it even happen at all? Well, thanks so much for watching this week's episode. Uh, Remember, our goal on the podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better so together we can be a little better. Hey, welcome to A Little Better. Uh, This week on the podcast, more questions about Revelation. Uh, We have special guest, the special guest from this past Sunday, Nate Campus Pastor Webster. Great to be here. Yeah. Thanks, boys, for letting me tag along. For sure. Thanks for uh, delivering a great... Tag along. We expect you to answer all these questions. <laughs> you're you're right, the right. guest I get to ask theologian, them, right? <laughs> right? You get to ask them. Uh, yeah, you crushed it on Sunday, uh, and we got some questions sent in uh, from previous weeks and a few uh, from this past Sunday as well. We got five questions on the docket that we're gold to answer. Uh, just a brief reminder, we got one week left this Sunday. This is left. Last one. So if you want questions, it. you better Guys, send them in. We're getting to heaven. We're getting to heaven. All right? Finally. Like, this is the week we've Nine all been weeks. waiting for. You, you, you like navigate the outline. Look at the outline, and it's like revelation of Christ, holy judgment of God, holy smokes. That's a huge chunk. <laughs> oh, the glory of heaven. Last two <laughs> right. chapters. Last yeah. two chapters. Right. Last two chapters. Okay. All right. So this first question comes in uh, from a listener, watcher, audience member, congregant. Uh, Parishioner. Back to... I think it's like week five. It was one of the trumpets, whenever that one was, okay? This person asked this question. Why do the animals face the wrath and or judgment of God with trumpet number two? Do they deserve death like we do for our sin? And just so we can get a better picture of what this person talked about other than just saying trumpet number two. I'm going to read the two verses that trumpet number two encompasses. So Revelation chapter eight, verses eight and nine. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain ablazed was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea was turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And then a third of the ships were destroyed. Revelation eight, eight and nine. So why do they get that? And do they deserve it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, I'll start, right? Uh, deserve Bella, is... Bella isn't going to make it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sad announcement. Bella didn't make it, so she's for gone. Thanks don't for know. bringing up a, Bella's a sensitive... Oh, man. A sensitive topic. <laughs> she, Thanks, I didn't You just know walked that. right into that. Man, <laughs> I thought she was Guys, I'm still kicking. No, oh, no. You, you thought he was joking earlier yeah, when he said no. Bella died. No, she really no, died. She's, she's six <laughs> well, You under, joked about her like, you know... Yeah, how much I loved her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's we need to move on. Okay. okay keep going. So I, I think in order to really flesh out this, let's go to Genesis, right? The creation yeah. of the world. And I think one thing we see is a separation between all of creation and humanity, right? Mm-hmm. God makes humans in his image and he doesn't do that with animals. Yeah. So there is a, a distinct difference. And so I, I think when it comes to the judgment of animals, I think we have to remember in Genesis 3, the world is fallen. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean just humans are fallen. What that means is 
all of creation has fallen, right? Roses have thorns. Bella bites every once in a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not that, you know, I, I don't know if it's as deep as Bella had a sinful nature, right? But like everything is marred by sin. And so yeah. when it comes to God judging evil, everything in our society has been marred by sin. And so when it comes to like, do animals deserve it? As hard as this might be to hear, I think yes, right? God is unleashing his judgment on all of the mar of sin. Yeah. And unfortunately, that hits pretty much everything. Yeah. It's, I mean, it may sound a little ridiculous for me to even go there, but nobody asked this question tied to like the plants and the trees. But in the same turn, like, do they deserve, you know, do right. they deserve? I mean, I know some people might actually ask. Uh, yeah. That some question. people would probably ask that question. And I don't mean that in a joking manner, but I'm just saying, like, our world is a beautiful world, but it obviously every part of it, not just. Right. humanity mm-hmm. has brokenness attached to it, you know? And so, like, why do trees die? Why is there, like, you just keep going down the list, like, why did these things happen in our mm. world? It's cu- because of sin. Everything can be traced back, so it's a good place to take us back to Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. Um, and I also think, you know, when it comes to heaven, we're getting there. You know, yeah. next week we're going to talk about the glory of heaven. I think one thing that will shock us about heaven is how different the plants are, yeah. how different animals are, because they're, the world is not marred by sin. So yeah. I, you know, like it's stupid, but like, I don't think a rose is going to have thorns. I don't wow. think we're going to yeah. have to pick weeds in heaven. Like, well, I know. Yeah, because the weeds are devil. Yeah. I'm just saying in my garden right now, it's being taken over by weeds. And so I'm a little bit yeah. uh, biased I, I was gonna towards bring that them. Up. Like, you, you love, you know, your flower beds and your, your garden, all those things like that. Uh, just imagine Genesis one and two, Adam and Eve, you know, they worked the ground, they still worked the ground, but then the curse of it was, it was going to be hard now. Yeah. So imagine just, Everyone who enjoys flower gardening and all those things right. like that, getting to do the thing you love, but it's actually not difficult. Yeah. Right. Perfect like ev- yields every exactly. year. Exactly. Like every hydrangea yeah. blooms in full, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to put fertilizer on it. You wow. don't have to, yeah. That, that, I can't even fathom that, but yeah. That's it is. The world is yeah. so tainted, yeah. and we don't, it, there's still beauty in it, but it is very tainted yeah, by sin. Sure. That's good. All right. Well, um, Nate, this past weekend, you uh, preached a sermon on. Um, I will go out and say the most debated passage in the book of Revelation, Revelation 20, verses 1 through about 6 or so, um, and which is the millennial reign of Christ. And the, you unpacked three views for us, the pre-millennial reign, the ah-millennial reign, and the post-millennial reign. Um, the, the question is, and in that people are wondering, What's Northridge's view on this particular thing? So sure. if you want to re- recap those three, and then we'll talk yeah, about that question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so when you think millennium, again, don't think year 2000. Just think 1,000 years that we see at the beginning of Revelation 20. And there are three views, people, church leaders, that go all the way back to the early church fathers. Hold. One would be amillennial, one would be premillennial, one would be postmillennial. We'll start with the amillennial one. That would just simply be those that hold to that view would just say it's not literal. There won't be a literal Jesus on earth reigning with his church for a thousand years. They would just simply say that's that's symbolic. Um, in fact, they would say we're in the millennial period right mm-hmm. now where mm-hmm. Christ is ruling and reigning in our hearts. And that ush came and started when Christ ascended back into the heaven in, into heaven at the start of the church age. So that's amillennial. And, and if you pause there, Nate, what's interesting is we had a question last week, I think, Daniel, you weren't mm-hmm. here, I but here. about someone asked, and I think the amillennial view would kind of land in, in this question, how could Jesus like lock Satan up for a thousand years and then unleash him to let him reign again, mm-hmm. come back again. And I yeah. think some of the amillennial 
helps answer some of those questions that yeah. people have. They're, they're in, uh, just as a footnote, we will put a article in the show notes from the Gospel Coalition that unpacks these three views. It's kind of from a hermeneutical perspective of how each view interprets Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. Um, but also, the just one footnote, this view views the chapter 21 through 6 as a rehashing or a different telling of what you preached earlier in the message, which was Revelation 19, 11 through the end. So um, it's almost as if it's not like he gets re-released. It's not like he got, you know, locked up and then re-released. It's almost as if they're just retelling what's already happened in the story right. is is that perspective. Right. And there's a lot of views of like how much leash does he have? How long does this chain go? Mm-hmm. What influence does he have? Yeah. Or is it just the implications of evil just rolling out? you know, in, in the world right now. And, and so it's not even, he's just a mob boss behind the scenes and yeah. evil will just destroy evil. Yeah. And so the evil we experience is, yeah, he's, he's, he's leashed up right now, yeah. mm-hmm. but he's organizing it behind. Mob boss from jail. That's yeah. yeah, a good perspective. Yeah. So yeah, that, that would be the amillennial view. Then we have the pre-millennial view, which means that, you know, Revelation 19, 11 through 21, his second coming battle of Armageddon, when he comes and defeats evil, that then ushers in now this millennial period, this thousand years where Christ reigns on the earth. We are with him because we came back with him at a second return, live on the earth for a thousand years under King Jesus, under his rule and reign. At the end of that, then Satan is released for a period of time, then dealt with finally and fully in the judgment of, uh, uh, of Satan at the end. Um, that's the pre-millennial view, and then the post-millennial again. Pre, post, post would just simply be at the end of the thousand years. That would be then the the second coming mm. of Christ. Yeah. So each one of them. Yeah, and post. So one other thing on the post millennial view, they they would they would say that the world continues to get better and better yeah. and better the and better is and better. That in. Yeah, and the church is ushering this in. I'd love to be a post mill. Like that <laughs> sounds great. Like the world just gets better and better and better until the second coming of Christ at the end of the millennium. Yeah. But, um, Before we say where we land, what is the overlap of these three views? Uh, What do you mean? Where do do they have agreement on? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) That's about it. He will return. Sounds like scholarly debate right there. We can agree on the obvious. (laughs) Jesus is coming back. Yeah. So what is Northridge's church stance on these three views? Sure. Drew, you want to share? You want me to share or... I mean, I. Bah, bah, bah. Well, you both are looking at me. I'm like, it says Come in on. our constitution, we are, uh, you know, a pre-millennial view. That's where we would land as a, a church, and I, you know, that's the stance we take. Um, I think it makes sense. I think it's biblical. Um, but again, like anything in the Book of Revelation, we warned you in week one, and Nate said it. You know, there are many good followers of Christ that land in every camp. And so I think it's important when you, you talk through revelation and all your views, understand that there are guys a lot smarter than us mm. who believe differently, look at it differently. Yeah. And we have to have flexible hands when we talk about this stuff and be okay to just disagree, honestly, right. because yeah. our opinion doesn't matter. Let's be honest. We can land and it's important to dive into scriptures and, and find a yeah, view. But sure. at the end of the day, we got to trust Christ if, even if we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It should always be an open-handedness of just grace and humility. I remember yeah. in Bible college, I went to a pretty conservative, yeah. like pre-trip, primo Bible college, man, and we were just getting heated debates, oh, yeah. you know, with people over end times, and you would forget that you're you're talking to other people, you know, yeah. you're talking to someone. So this should never result in, hopefully, never result in like 
getting upset or you lose a friend over mm-hmm. this or yeah, something like exactly. that, yeah. you should be passionate and, and that's great. Yeah, Dig sure. in and study, but always keep that open, open hand of like at the end of the day, we don't all, no one really knows. Yep, we have, right. we have things that we're leaning into and trying to study and understand, but yeah. Cause yeah. I would say with these three views, what's really cool about like this being a debated topic. There's a lot of things that are a debated topic, but every single view has really good reasonings Mm -hmm. and really good scripture references, not only in the book of Revelation, but they go Old Testament, New Testament, and they're going all over. It's like, oh yeah, I see that. And then almost simultaneously, there's holes in every argument because of those very same scripture references and how they're interpreting them. And like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. That's why it's one of the most debated passages in the book of revelation on how where you land and what that apply how that applies but yeah jesus wins right and i think it's important even in as we read the bible to understand what are the things that we aren't flexible with and what are the things we we can be there Mm. are times where when you're talking to someone like hey if you're talking to me and you're saying someone's the other way there's a different way to heaven other than jesus i'm not gonna let that go right like those are those are things i'm not flexible with but then when it comes to the book of revelation there's a lot of things that you're just like okay I, i this is what i believe but you know, mm-hmm. I'm with you if you believe that. I understand it, you know. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to hear every everybody's uh, places and where they understand, what, why they understand, why they land where they do. Yeah, for sure. But there's another, just a second top pull is read that article if you want to dive into this more on mm. reading different ones. If you've been raised one way, stretch yourself. Read some uh, good. good arguments in that other regard. All right. Uh, two questions that are similar, questions three and four, but uh, I think there's slight differences Maybe on on the how the person asked question. I think this came from the same person. But how do you know the Antichrist is alive right now? The and the second question was how do you know the Antichrist is on Earth right now? So alive and on Earth. Um, I think we need to define some terms here. Uh, first is the Antichrist. Um, I know in the our messages, I think Drew, you and I both preached and and made reference to this figure. Mm-hmm. Um, you and week, I think it was week three or four of the message series of on the seven seals. We pointed out the first rider, um, yep. you know, is on white the white horse, horse, who's a conqueror bent on conquest. We'd say that okay, this person is the Antichrist, and then. In Revelation 13, 1, we have the beast from the sea, and we're Mm -hmm. like, this is the Antichrist, who is also the beast from the abyss in Mm -hmm. chapter 11. So we say, okay, this person is the Antichrist. But what becomes problematic is that word, Antichrist, is only mentioned in 1 and 2 John, which it's the same John that wrote the book of Revelation, but here's just one verse from, from him, 2 John, verse 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Hmm. So what is he what does he mean here? Because there's only one beast in the book of Revelation and we're like that's the antichrist, but then John says that any person who denies Jesus as the Son of God coming in the flesh, they're the Antichrist. Any person. So that means there's a bunch of those because we have a bunch of those in the world, even right now, and have been in history and will be. So I think it's important to make a distinction between culturally the word Antichrist. So like mm-hmm. in the Christian culture, when anybody says Antichrist, we think of the leader of you know, the tribulation of evil, the beast, you know, the beast, right? you know, that the beast. And to be honest, no one knows if it's going to be one person or multiple leaders right. or a group of people. Um, I think what John is saying here is, um, 
and again, I don't know if this is referring to the beast. I don't think it is. I think he's referring to anybody who leads you astray from walking with God, but which could also represent the antichrist because that's exactly who he is and his purpose, grow his authority, lead people. Um, that's what he used Babylon for or the prostitute to lead people away. And so to, to answer some of the questions, we don't know if the antichrist I mean, we know antichrists around are leading us astray, but no right. one knows if that person, if it is one person, if they're alive now. Like, we are don't there know. antichrists alive right now? Yes, yes. I can say that with confidence. Yes. Like, but but is it the just beast the last one? Is or it is the, it the, yeah, yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's alive right now or. He I think culturally, we've we've taken a lot of leeway with the Bible when it comes to Revelation, right? Yeah. Especially when it comes to the rapture and the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. We've we've dumbed it down and maybe we're right. I don't know. Maybe we were wrong. Yeah. But I think we I think we could be surprised when and if it happens, if it's going to happen, but like when it happens, what it actually looks like. Yeah. Because sure. because I think we we in our culture, apocalyptic literature is not common practice in any other form. Like you talk about narratives, like you're in the, the Bible, poetry, and and then letters like didactic, you know, letters of making points and references. Like all those are like, oh yeah, we have those common practice, but no nobody's going out reading apocalyptic <laughs> literature of like highly symbolic with all these hyperlinks in our minds of like, oh yeah, you should think this when you read this and like all this, everything that's happened in the book of Revelation, which makes it really difficult. And cause that brings up the tension of, of, I think I, I said in the message when I was talking about the beast is if you would ask somebody in the first century, who's the beast? They'd be like, oh, I know exactly who the beast is. You ask somebody in Ukraine right now, who's the beast? They're like, I know exactly who the beast is, yeah. but are they all right? Are they all wrong? And I would say that they're all right in some level. And not to say like our cultural mantra right now that everybody lives their truth and everyone's correct and that's okay, but not not that, but this is a symbolic mm-hmm. book. And so I think there is a literalness to it, but there's also a symbolicness to it that mm-hmm. anybody who leads you away from Jesus isn't a, a human leader. They're not becoming more secular. They're actually becoming demonic, yeah. as the Bible says. And so I know that's not a culturally correct, politically correct thing to say, but like that's how the Bible lays it out is to become more human is not to just turn away from God. It's to turn away from God to things that are demonic. And so, yeah. Yeah. So when John talks about that, right, many antichrists. So that's yeah, where it many gets hard antichrists between, have gone out from you. Yeah. Is this right, which we know will be true and we're experiencing that now and we'll continue. It just does it all of the sudden become a global known beast Antichrist at the at the that end. All the people right. in the world are flocking to this singular leader, which that's what feels like Revelation is. That's the literal side of it. Like, oh, this thing's mm-hmm. gonna happen. But we would be short selling it and like, mm-hmm. you know, comforting ourselves, I feel like a little too much to say, oh, that's not happening right now. Like, oh, that's okay. We're we're good. That's gonna that's the future. That's just apocalyptic end times, you know, Arm, right. you know, Armageddon type S things. Um, it's like, and the Bible does give us some imagery towards a rider, right? Because right? yeah. the first seal is a rider, not riders, mm-hmm. on a white horse who is bent on conquest, yeah. right? Now, again, that's imagery. So yeah. we we don't know what that white horse represents. <laughs> exactly. it, it, it's singular, but it could be plural, right? Yeah. It, it's it's a picture of a vision John is giving us to paint what's going to happen. There is right. going to be 
a leader or leaders move creating this movement of evil. Yeah. We just don't know what that looks like. Yeah. And, and in all of it, you know, the undercurrent point of the book of Revelation we've said almost every week is remain faithful to Jesus now. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. Like for every century and every people that read this across the globe who have been trying to follow Jesus, it's when they read the book of Revelation, they shouldn't think, oh, that's for somebody else later on. It's like, no, this is this is for me, like, because I need to follow Jesus faithfully right now because there's this war that's being waged. There's This is going to happen in the end, ultimately, one day, Revelation 21 and 22, which we'll get to in this coming week. But, like, that's going to happen one day. So in, for that to be a thing, I need to be faithful right now. I got to follow Jesus. Mm. I'm supposed to follow Jesus no matter what it may cost me or what matter mm. may come my way. And I think reading this from a first century perspective, right, John's writing this as Rome is destroying Christians, yeah. right? We, you know, we read this from a 21st century and we're like, oh, the world is so far gone. But honestly, if we lived in, I think, first century we would be like, man, our world ain't that bad, right? Yeah. You know, Rome had power. They could do whatever they wanted when they mm-hmm. wanted. And there wasn't a cultural Christianity there to be yeah. like, oh, Rome is, like, Rome was devastating. They yeah. were torturing, murdering, killing Christians yeah. for fun. Yeah. And so that in that lines, there was a, we had a, a negative comment on one of our videos for this podcast that somebody linked an article and says, you guys missed it because this has already been fulfilled. Um, and that's the historic view. Like this is what all things in revelation have been fulfilled in past events. Like they've, that was fulfilled in like, you know, 105 AD or something like that. I think this person sent in. Um, and it's like, yeah, that event, like events like this have happened, but they have happened again. And so were they fulfilled multiple times? Is there multiple fulfillments here? And it's pretty hard to say every event in Revelation has been fulfilled because if this is the new Jerusalem, I'm slightly disappointed. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, so that's that's all that baggage that's in there. So that's good. Well, well, yeah, this all has a point. So I think circling down and bullying this down is like, are there antichrist alive and have they been alive? Yes, anybody leads you away from Jesus. But ultimately, it feels like what Revelation is talking about is there will be a leader one day, but he's had he or she has had multiple manifestations throughout history, history. of yeah. like the spirit of the antichrist, you mm. know, if you want to use that mm-hmm. language. That's well said. Um Okay, last question that we're tackling today uh, was actually sent in late last night, and you know, I stayed up and watched this video that this person sent in. Uh, hi, I'm watching uh, Shane Wood on Right Now Media in his Revelation series. Uh, in the 10th part of this series, he talks about the rapture and why it is not a biblical concept. It's a very interesting message. What are your thoughts on this? I'm going to give you, I'm going to put two minutes on my timer and explain this 25-minute video, and us dialogue about it a little bit. So Shane Wood, who is he? All right, first, Shane Wood is a PhD in New Testament, uh, and he's a professor at Ozark Christian College, uh, which we have used other resources from Ozark Christian College. It's not a college that we would say, don't listen to them. Um, we, we believe in a lot of the content they put out. Uh, and he makes the argument of why he believes the rapture is not biblical from two reasons, history and the Bible. First, we need to find the rapture. The rapture, as he is defining it, is the historic view that the church is going to be taken out of the world, those that are alive on the earth, taken out of the world before bad things happen. And bad things could be defined as before the judgment or wrath of God happens, period, like in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, which I think you referenced that's one view of the rapture, or even uh, before the wrath of God is poured out, which would be a pre-wrath or mid-trib view, like 
he's saying, no, neither one of those views are a biblical view. There is no rapture in that context of alive people being taken out of the world before it gets bad. And this is his argument. History, this view has not been alive in history. Uh, it was not mentioned at all until 1830 when this lady in the UK was actually in, on psychedelics and had a vision, apocalyptic, like, woo, vision. And then she has a letter. Um, you, if you want to go watch his video on how, and he unpacks how she starts this chain reaction to get us where we are today on like this being the primary view in Western like Christianity. The Bible. He takes, I want to do two passages that he talks about. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 is one of the popular rapture passages. And he says that there's, this is not talking about the rapture and how we've defined it. Uh, because number one, it's the dead in Christ arise or arise and they come with the Lord. And then those who are alive in Christ go and meet him in the air. And the language is used and they will be with the Lord forever. So that's talking about when Christ comes in his second coming and is ushering in the new Jerusalem. It's not talking about us getting pulled out of the world before bad stuff happens. It's, that's not what that's talking about. The second passage is Matthew 24, um, where the basically the rapture view is there's one person plowing and one will be taken and one will be left. There's one person milling uh, stones, one will be taken, one will be left. There's a key phrase in there that says, um, the second coming will happen as in the days of Noah. So if you go back to the flood, Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9, where, wherever that is in that range, um, what happened in that time, if it's as it happened in the days of Noah, those who were taken away were the bad people, not the good people. And the way we read the rapture in modern Christianity is that the good people get taken out of the world before it gets bad so Christ can deal with evil. Mm. So what are your thoughts on that in general? First thing, that was three minutes. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You said two. Just holding you accountable. I, I tried uh, really hard. It was I a 25 minute video. <laughs> just, I'm impressed you watched it at 11 at night. I'd have been like, well. Uh, I'm not impressed. I knew you'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, this is hard, right? In the sense, uh, the rapture is very difficult because people hold so many different views on what the rapture actually mm. is. And I think when it comes to the rapture, it's always tethered with the wrath of God or the judgment of God. And how you view those two things often can get confusing based off of terminology. Mm, right. Um, I don't struggle with, um, I forget his name. Um, Shane Wood. Shane Wood's view in the sense of, I view the rapture as, you know, the dead and, and, and those alive meeting with Christ. And now I think the big argument for people who would hear that would be like, okay, when um, does that happen? When does that <laughs> yeah. happen? Yeah. And again, no one knows. This is yeah. the flexible hands again. No one really knows. I think there are good points to, to say that maybe there is a, a, a pre tribulation. Like I could, I think I could find scripture that would point to that. Um, but it, it's so complicated and so hard. Here's the one thing I'd warn people against when it comes to the rapture and when it comes to when it happens or if it's even a biblical thing. Mm -hmm. My interpretation of it cannot be based on what I would like. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and I think culture in Christianity, a lot of people's views are like, mm, I don't want to be in the world when that stuff happens, yeah. right? Like when the seals, that don't sound fun. The trumpets, that don't sound fun. The, that, you know, all this stuff, like... Yeah, let's get a good exit plan. Mm. Like, I understand why people want that. I, I would be in that same boat, but my view has got to be based on God's word yeah. and the interpretation sure. of that, which is difficult in itself. 
Yeah, and I haven't read or watched any of that. Wasn't this. good enough, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I, I'm sure I'm missing pieces and parts. But again, it, it comes down to you look at these views, especially even on the tribulation. Like, how many different views are there on that? There's mm. I don't know four mm. or five, maybe maybe even more than that. It sounds like he's representing just a post-trib pre-mill view, right? Well, right. That, that's yeah. what I think. I think he would probably go all in and say he's like the rapture is not going to happen the way that any of those views say. Would he say tribulation then as well as not? There won't be like a seven-year tribulation period. Like no, it's going to get bad, but we're still going to be here. And Got we're gonna. Yeah, why so, I take the good people out when it gets bad? We need the. We what need would the be church. the differing from post to him? Because post trib is all the bad things yeah, happen. It, Christ saves us. I think that's where he would probably he would land. I guess I'm, I'm making assumptions. Yeah. He didn't use those kind of terminologies in the video. I don't think. Okay. I Which, can't think of the ver. I think it is in. I mean, I think it is in First or Second Thessalonians. I'm not sure, but like there, I there. A pre-trip, pre-mill person will go to this this verse of where we we're pulled out from that, where we don't have to experience that, which is I think in defense of a pre-trip view, would say that I again I don't know off the top of my head in, in First Thessalonians that says we're pulled out from that, which would then mean we wouldn't experience. Are we pulled that. out in a rapture, or are we just protected from it? Well, a pre-trip person would say, <laughs> yeah, in the rapture. Yeah, but I mean that's where and, that comes and from. What is the difference ultimately in the sense of if you're, I guess, like the the going would be the difference, right? If you're yeah. protected from it, it feels like a on earth rapture versus uh like coming in the clouds. <sighs> also, I think like if you, you know, the, what I love in revelation is the interludes. Right. And I think of just the, the seals, you see God withholding the, the, he says, wait till I mark the 144,000, you know? So there's a lot of scripture that I think you could explain to point to, some of the views of the rapture, but I think, you know, as what's his name again? Shane Wood. Shane Wood. <laughs> Dang it. I, I was like, I knew his it's last like the name easiest was Wood. Name ever. I, it is. I know. <laughs> but I, I could see where he could use scripture to point to yeah. his beliefs. I think he, he makes a good right. case, but I love that. Well, guys, that was good. If you're still watching, dive in to study it on your own. Yeah. I've loved how we handle this series in the sense of just like you dive, you, you get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thanks for watching this week's episode of A Little Better. We can't wait to hang out with you next week as we dive into more questions on Revelation. Revelation.